if you go out every weekend to the club and you're spending $500 a weekend on food, drinks, clubbing, this, that, you have the money to invest. Welcome back, investor, to another episode of the Passive Income Adventures. Today, we have Yasmin Alaiwan with us. She tells us an amazing story from her days growing up on the East Coast in a multicultural, multiracial family and the journey that she went through college and afterward to transition from being an engineer to becoming an entrepreneur because she realized that the nine to five lifestyle, go to school, get a good job, was not going to give her the lifestyle that she had dreamed for herself. The ability to look critically at her family history, her cultural history, and the pressures that were put on her to succeed in the mainstream lifestyle. She was able to critically rethink those after having some impressive encounters with some individuals and some reading material that really changed the way that she thought. And then how she was able to take that and develop that into an action plan and to learn the discipline that she needed to actually execute on that plan. I find her story to be so relatable because in many ways we have a similar background, but in many ways we have a completely different background. So both different and relatable, it's a great combination. I know you're going to love hearing her story, especially the part at the end where she tells us about her passive income adventure that she just got back from because she had the freedom of time and location to do what she wanted, where she wanted with the people that she wanted because of the lifestyle that her entrepreneurial and passive income journey have afforded her. Buckle up and enjoy the ride with Yasmin. Thank you to Yasmin Alewen. Did I say that right? Alewen. Okay. Alewen. Yeah. See, I knew I was going to mess that up, but I'm so thankful that you're going to be on the show today. Your story is both exotic and incredibly relatable, which is what I love about your background. So Yasmin is an engineer turned entrepreneur from Boston, and she is going to share with us today her journey a little bit earlier than most of us jumped on this boat. I'd love to hear more about how you looked at your life and decided that you needed to move in a different direction, that turning point for you would be really interesting because most of us can really relate to that, but you've come through it through this, like I said, fairly unusual and exotic path. That's super interesting. So welcome to Yasmin and would love to hear you just tell us about your background, how you got started in life. And then that pivot point where you decided that, you know what, I don't think that this nine to five, go to college and work until you're 65 is, is a good fit for me. Alrighty. Okay. So I was born in Boston and I have a fun background. My dad is Lebanese and my mom is Brazilian. So I come from the immigrant narrative and I was always pushed, go to school, go to a great school. School is everything. And my father is a carpenter and a landowner. So he owned three houses as I was growing up. And those houses I didn't realize at the time was what separated him from a lot of other people in our neighborhood. And I didn't grow up in a rich neighborhood. And my mom is also from very humble backgrounds. And for them, it was like we came to this country so you could go to school. So I was a geek for as long as I can remember. And I went to Boston Latin School, which is like the first high school in the country. And I had to take a test to get in there. And then I was like, the culture there is like everyone goes to Ivy League. And I went to state school because I didn't feel like getting in debt. I got like a full ride to a state school. But even though I was going to a state school, I was like, I chose to do biomedical engineering and I wanted to be a doctor and so on and so forth because I had this image in my mind that that's how I was going to make the world a better place was by doing Doctors Without Borders and being a volunteer and so on and so forth. And I was really into it. So I do pre-med and I was doing biomedical engineering and then I met my partner in college and that's when things really started changing and I started like changing how I look at the world. So my partner's an immigrant. 
and therefore everything was a lot harder for him. It took him a while to get working permission, and then he had to work multiple jobs just to pay off any debt he had from college, and because they make international students pay more. And just one thing led to another, and he's working an overnight shift and a day shift, and I'm not seeing him anymore. And it's my junior year of college, and I'm thinking about, do I really want to go to med school? Like, I'm exhausted. I'm only a junior in college and I'm exhausted. And if a test was to tell me my worth and value and how intelligent I am, like the entrance exam to medical school, then that might be my breaking point. Because I was working two jobs at a time with school and I wasn't doing an easy major. And that's when I started understanding, you know, what burnout really was. And my partner at the time was like, hey, can you print out this book, like a few chapters? And he sent me this PDF of this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I went to my school library and I printed it out. And like, I came back to the apartment and he had already left for his overnight shift. And it was final season. I wanted to be nosy. I was like, what's he reading? So I pick it up and I actually started reading it. And I was hooked. I went back to the link. I read the entire PDF. I went on Amazon Prime and I bought the book, made sure it was coming in at least a day or two. Like I was not patient. And I just spent, instead of really studying for my finals, I spent the next few weeks really just rereading that book. And it felt like a message to the soul. And it opened my eyes to what my dad was doing that he didn't tell me about. And the reason he didn't tell me is because I'm a girl. And he's from a culture where girls don't learn the importance of investing. So I didn't know how to pay taxes. I was his dependent at the time I was in college. I didn't know that I should have a credit card. I actually didn't have a credit card. And I asked my friend, oh, let's go to the bank and you'll show me how to apply for a credit card. And because you know, she had one and I got rejected because I had never had a credit card. And they're like, you're going to have to be placed on your parents' credit card. And I felt so embarrassed because I was like, what, 20? And I didn't have a credit card. And then I like asked, hey, can I get a credit card? And my dad's no, like credit is bad. And I'm like, how am I supposed to buy a house? He goes, oh, I'll co-sign it with you. And I was like, you're not going to be in my life forever. I don't want you to pick the house that I choose to buy. So I had to get it in secret, thanks to my mother. And Rich Dad Poor Dad just opened my eyes. There was a whole world of how the earth and reality and how the economy really works, how money really works. And are you going to trade your time for money forever? And I didn't know that. And then I felt really frustrated that I'm graduating college and I knew all these complicated things about like thermodynamics, but I didn't know how to pay a bill or how to pay taxes. Like what? And that just felt so humiliating, but it fueled me. So I left when I graduated college, the pandemic happened and there was nothing to do but work and study. So I got my first job in pharma and I just started reading one investment book after another. The whole Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, books from Tony Robbins, books from Warren Buffett, so on and so forth, just to build that mindset. And then when I started my job, I also said no to the 401k. But I realized that I had to find out another plan. Like, how am I going to retire? Like, I just graduated college and I'm at this job. And I know why I shouldn't have a 401k, but I don't know what I should do. And originally, I thought I was going to do what my dad did. And just save up for a couple years and then buy a house, live in it, have tenants, manage them, and then do that every few years. Ten years will go by and I'll be doing okay, which isn't a bad plan. But 
I ended up stepping on something else. So as I'm looking for what I wanted to use as a basic retirement account outside of real estate, something that you can get started for a lot cheaper, I met my current mentors, ironically. And it was just the funniest thing. And I think you get what you're looking for in this life because the my mentors are this couple and the girl had commented on my cat. Like we just, one day she's like, your cat's so cute. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. And then that led to a whole conversation and I'm like obsessed with my cat. And then I see that she's an, says that she's an entrepreneur. And I'm like, so what's that? Like you're a girl and you're an entrepreneur. What does that even mean? And she starts telling me about it. And it turns out that they are financial professionals and advisors. So they helped me figure out what I could do as at the time, a 21, almost 22 year old with just a job and a few paychecks, how I could start investing in my retirement and in my future. And I thought that that was awesome. So I decided I wanted to do that too. And then I became a financial professional. I started my own business, got licensed, did the trainings, did the shadowings. To this day, I do it. And I teach people about money. And I love doing it because if you look like me, if you're a minority, if you're a girl, if you're both, if you come from a culture where you were supposed to be in the dark about money, I want to make the space a very safe space for us to have a conversation. And I want that conversation to change your life. So that's what I do. And then not long after, like in 2022, I left my full-time job and my husband, who's a real estate agent and also on that entrepreneurial pathway, because being an immigrant taught him that financial freedom is the only option. He took me to this three-day event with multifamily mindset, which is about syndication, which is about investing in bigger deals. So that instead of doing these smaller single family houses, which him and I had started doing at that point, can you get a little bit more hands off with managing the tenants and also get more units under your belt and actual freedom from time because if you're the only one managing your tenants you will not be free from time something breaks you have to go fix it bed bugs are there well now you got to spray for them roach problems rat problems whatever it is and it's not not pretty it's really gross i can say from experience so yeah next thing you know i said okay and we jumped the gun and we started on our path we got into a mentorship program we got the education and now we're working on getting our first few syndications under our belts and so now i'm doing my business and real estate this story the reason that i relate to it so much is it's because it's actually like i'm talking to my daughter she's a senior in engineering school right now and she is really coming up against the vision of her future and having graduation anxiety, I guess you could call it. Like, yeah, what is it that real. she wants to spend the rest of her life doing? She's completely burned out and thinking about, is this really what she wants to be doing for the next however many years? And the thing that really turned the corner for her was her internship because she had a long-term internship where they just hired her part-time after her inter internship was over. Watching the owners of this company, how many hours they put in, how many hours they spent, because they are entrepreneurs and they are running an an engineering company. And she thought that this was her future. And she didn't really see any time freedom, any ability to take care of the details of the business. She just felt this isn't the life that I want. And what really turned the corner for her was to attend an investing conference specifically for millennials. So we were the old people that got invited to chaperone and we brought our young adult children. And 
it was life-changing for her to be around other people. Some of them had professional degrees. Some of them didn't. It really was just a wide variety of people with all different backgrounds and education levels. And she walked out of there saying, all right, I am going to start an engineering business, but that's just so I can make more money and free up enough time when I am ready to partially retire so that I can do more real estate. And she just came out excited and having all of these plans. But bumping up against those barriers for what women are expected to do in society and how the people in her program treat her. That's a, basically a bunch of white men learning out of books written by white men being taught to mostly white men. And so she's just definitely been seeing the world from a different perspective. And it's so similar to what you went through. You're farther down the road than she is, but being able to look at your situation and say, this is inspiring to me. This is inspiring to me to do something different because you were on the path. You were doing the thing that everybody told you that you should be doing. And yeah. so I find that your willingness to step off the path, both as a woman in biomedical engineering and as someone with an, a great degree, deciding to become an entrepreneur and investor instead and not really wanting to use that degree to its fullest potential, that shows some real courage and an ability to think outside the box. So can you tell us more about that process, especially with your cultural background of what women are supposed to know and what they're supposed to not know and all of that? Yeah, definitely. Also, what your daughter's going through is beyond relatable. And even in engineering, it's still a male-dominated field. So good for her for being there. I decided to be an engineer because my physics teacher in high school told me I'd never be a scientist. And my cousin on my dad's side of the family, I have a billion cousins, but one of them said engineering is not for girls. So I've always been a natural Ooh. writer and speaker. Like in high school, I aced all my English classes. In college, I was so mentally involved in the engineering aspect, I would forget about all my other classes, but my electives, my writing classes, my English classes, I would ace them with my eyes closed. And I swear I would not even do homework except for an hour before class. All my energy went to engineering. So engineering was my weakness. I'm very creative. I don't, I forget which side of the brain it is, but I guess I'm like right brained or something, not left brain, whatever the expression is. And I wanted to perfect my critical thinking skills and actually become more logical with engineering. That was pretty cool. Mission accomplished. I worked on a weakness of mine and I passed and I made it through and I proved to myself that I could do it. When it comes to that decision and what it really took to make that decision is like the same thing about life. Like I fell in love with someone who's out of my culture. He is not Lebanese and he's not Muslim. And I fell in love with him and I became dedicated to him against my father's will. He's not the ideal race or anything, quote unquote. Like I, I hate to say it, but I have to because it's real. <laughs> and growing up in and my father does it with a lot of love he's not an evil person and i'm not here to say that the culture is a hundred percent bad growing up i told some of my friends who came from similar cultures and went through similar struggles with the girls and their fathers and this and that i told them you can live your life or you can live your parents life that's your choice if we if i lived in the middle east it might not be my choice as much but I live here in the USA and I wanted to not take that for granted. So for me, it was like my father would just project all his beliefs onto me and he thought he was doing the right thing when I love him. But lovingly, I also was like, I can live your life that you want for me or I can live mine, but I can't do both. And it was that letting that really sink in. That's what has always fueled me. And I look back and being authentic is always really scary. It's really scary. Like 
now that I'm an adult, it's so cool that I'm like Brazilian and Arab and I'm like such a mix. But when I was a kid, it was not cool. And when I was a kid, I didn't fit in anywhere because I was just too unique. So it taught me like, oh, just by nature, I'm authentic. I'm very different and I'm a blend of different things. And then when I became an adult, society will try to dim that authenticity and tell you, you got to do this that way or X, Y, Z. And I think because I was a kid and I was so used to being the weird one, I just kept being the weird one. And it's scary, but like looking back, I've lived for me and I've lived for what I wanted to stand for. So I don't have regrets. I've made a lot of mistakes and I look back and I'm like, I was so ballsy. I made so many crazy decisions and I failed a lot of times too. But at the end of the day, it was all my authentic decision. If it was a mistake, it was my authentic mistake. So I like that. I'm looking back. I have no regrets about that. And that's why I ended up choosing to be an entrepreneur. But then I had to go through another mindset shift because engineers think so differently than entrepreneurs. It's such a different way of being. The way that you use the word authentic, I've actually just recently adopted that word into my own vocabulary. Words are powerful. And I'm really going down that rabbit hole right now of the words that you choose to use can deeply affect your mindset, how you do things, how you think about things, and then the actions that you take. And so I've always used the word weird, 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 weird. And recently I heard that when conformity is really important in, especially in a family or cultural system, it's threatening when somebody is weird and chooses to live an authentic life. And I thought, oh, I'm not weird. I'm just doing my thing. Some ways I'm very mainstream and in other ways I'm out there. So I thought rather than calling it weird, because not everything I do is weird, just going to call it authentic. My choices are mine. And so your use of that word, and you only said the weird once or twice, but you use the word authentic over and over and over and over again. And that changes your perspective on how you look at what you did and now what you are doing because you're living authentically. So congratulations. It takes, it took me a lot longer. (laughs) to figure that out in my life than it took you. As you get older, if you figured everything out when you were younger, life as an older person would be really boring. And so it's nice that there are still discoveries to be made and excitement over seeing what there is out there. So it's a lifelong process and we get to discover things when they are for us. It was similar to my real estate background. I was doing my failure resume recently on an interview that I was on, just talking about all the missed opportunities that I had. But at the same time, I realized, well, what about mindset shifts? What about philosophies and things that I also came across years and years ago, but that I wasn't ready to hear? You get it when you're ready for it. And I can look back and see many, many instances of where I was right there. It's like you're driving on the freeway past somebody and you don't know who's in those cars, but you may meet that person years later and fall in love and get married or start a business with them. And you don't know how many times you pass each other on the freeway. That's how I feel about some of my insights, my decisions, because you get it when you're ready for it. You get it when you are ready to accept those things into your life, no matter how old you are. I love that. I love the way you worded it too. That was awesome. It's nice to be able to have somebody tell me that because when I talk to my kids who are similar ages to you, they do not respond that way. I think everyone's <laughs> going to take their parents less like, oh, seriously. Mom. Yeah. That's just what it is. When you're in the family, you're so comfortable that you tune out what's going on. But then like with my friend's parents, I'm like, oh my God, your parents are so cool. Or I just met my in-laws. So I just went to my partner's country and I met my in-laws for the first time. I met his parents for the first time. And 
I was like hanging out with them more than he was. I was like, you guys are so cool. But that's just how it is. Yeah, it's a good thing that that you didn't take everything your parents said for truth because it puts you on a different path that it's a more authentic life for you. And then we get to listen to the story and learn from it. But if we're shifting gears a little bit to the present day, how you got to this point, describe to us what your typical workday looks like right now. It's funny because I actually just got back from the trip on Friday. So today was like my first official workday for since I've been overseas. But what it looks like is I wake up at five and I have my coffee. And then I actually, I meditate for like at least 30 minutes and I just get my mind started for the day. And then I work out for an hour to hour and a half. Then I shower and get ready for my day and I organize my room and so on and so forth. And then what my day will usually consist of is like, I'll have a few really early calls, like client calls. And then depending on the day of the week, I'll have some networking events that afternoon. But if I don't have networking events that afternoon, then I'll catch up on some reading, some studying, or I'll write. I love writing. Writing helps me to clear my mind, helps me to express things. Then if I get a moment before lunch, I'll go on a walk outside. I love fresh air, even if it's really cold outside. I feel like it clears your head come home, I make lunch. And then I have a few hours to because usually my meetings, there's like this gap between 1pm and 4pm. So I'll catch up on phone calls, or I'll reorganize like the house or I'll clean or I'll catch up on errands. And then I usually have late evening meetings because again, clients tend to want to get onto meetings before or after work. So usually the middle of the day is when I do a lot of errands, cleaning, nature walks or networking. And then in the evenings, I have client calls over Zoom. And then sometimes I'll have a networking event that I go to like later at seven or eight. So it's pretty packed, but it's not horrible because it's mindful. And I have like space to do things in between meetings, which is cool. Yeah. And having that personal time scheduled in means that you're going to make the most use of it and not waste it. Where my son asked me the other day, he goes, mom, what are your hobbies? What do you love to? I was like, I love all the hobbies. All the hobbies are great. But when I want to unplug and just completely do nothing, it's that's very different than working on the things that are important to me and yeah. my hobbies, because those take those take brain power. Having some time scheduled in to actually get the things done that are important to you, but then also have just that unplug distraction escapist time I found is also very important and I like how you have scheduled that where it works for you because you have to meet with clients before or after their work hour you're doing the evening weekend kind of service business so yeah. you've made use of that time in the middle of the day to get done what you need to get done uninterrupted that is something that a lot of us don't get to enjoy no yeah a hundred percent and then also the meditation in the morning because at night I'd fall asleep I think letting, so, you know, this is from someone who reads a lot, thinks a lot, did engineering, grew up in a culture in Boston and a family culture where it's like your thinking brain is considered to be everything. But I think that actually taking time in your day to not think is the healthiest thing you can do. With the world we live in, there's just too much information and there's too much going on and your brain actually can't process it. So I've actually found out that in college, I had a horrible memory. I couldn't remember anything. I would live off of a planner and when I forgot to write things in my planner, I'd write them on my hand. And then like I would take the train and the lady at the train, there was this lady who took the train with me. She would always be like, are you still writing on your hand? And I'm like, 
Yeah. And now that you, I forgot another thing and I'd just keep writing on my hand or I'd set alarms. I couldn't remember anything. Then when I started practicing actually being mindful and taking that time, my memory is incredible. I remember people's names, birthdays, faces, the quirks about them, their favorite color. And if their birthday is coming up, even without writing on a calendar, I'll just get this like little radar and be like, oh my gosh, something's coming up. I know something's coming up. And then I'd be like, it's that person's birthday. And I'll just know my memory is so much better. And so I feel like if you want like a good functioning brain, take time to not think. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) My meditation mantra is think nothing, think nothing, think nothing. Because meditation is, it's an exercise of, of not thinking nothing. It's an exercise of when you start thinking about something to recognize it, forgive yourself because you're supposed to be thinking about nothing instead of saying, I can't meditate. I can't keep these thoughts out of my head. I just say, oh, I recognize there's a thought in there. And then I go back to the mantra of think nothing, think nothing, think nothing until the next thought interrupts me. And I, then I consciously realize it. And then I go back to think nothing because like you said, the creativity comes from the unstructured time, both for children and for adults. And that unstructured time is really valuable. And a lot of us are taking that unstructured time and just using it to be entertained. Having that daily mindfulness, whether it's in the shower, while you're running, sometimes we learn a lot from podcasts and from YouTube and from reading books and from networking and other people, but sometimes you just got to take the earbuds out and just go look at something and let your mind wander or think nothing. For me, that's where I get the best insights. It sounds like you do as well. Yeah. No. And another thing is it's so underrated. When you, so again, we live in a world of consuming content. So YouTube, podcasts, TV, social media. And I know, and this is another thing that kind of gets me, kind of irks me just a little bit as an entrepreneur, is I know people who read twice as many books as me, but they don't apply anything. And I'm like, that's what happens when you have information overload. So I've had people try to teach me investing and finances. And it's not like I know everything, but I'm also like, this defeats the purpose here. Like my whole business, my license is so that I can teach you something about money. And if you're here teaching me, then you don't want to learn. And this, and I've just had people try to explain things to me that I read this book and I read that book, but have you actually practiced? Have you actually invested? Have you actually, what have you done? Nothing. They've just read a bunch of books, even with real estate. I know people who read Every book on real estate, from syndication to wholesaling to creative financing to everything known to man, and I've read just a handful, and some of those are actually books about negotiation and just how to be a good listener or how to have a good conversation because that's so important in the business world. That's how you network. But what I do is I actually apply everything I read. So I'll read a chapter and then I'll sit in silence and I'll let myself process it. And then I'll actually, after every chapter, find a way to apply what I just learned in my next conversation. And I'll get a lot farther with one book than you will with 10 because you haven't allowed your mind to really utilize that information. You're just stuffing the information there, but your mind doesn't know what to do with it. So there's a lot of information, but there's not a lot of application. And that's where the gap is right? An application actually comes from you not learning more information, but from you just literally doing. (laughs) So, you know, like you don't need to wait forever for every book known to man to take action. That's an interesting contrast that we just made where 
it's important to take time to think nothing, to do nothing, and just let your mind be creative. But it's also important to take time to apply something. And I'll say for me, let's just give a small example. I like to play the piano, but I didn't really know that. I would watch other people playing the piano or I'd be walking along thinking nothing. And I think I should learn how to play the piano. And so one day I decided I'm going to learn how to play the piano. I could have read every piano book, watched every piano YouTube video. I got to the point where I had bought a couple of books, but I wasn't practicing it. And years later, when I was finally ready to put that into practice, there's no amount of piano book that you can read that will allow you to be able to play the piano. Zero. The books are very, very helpful to me. And I do learn a lot, but then I have to shut the book and I have to go sit down and I have to practice. So the quiet time is almost like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? How do I get to where I want to be? But then Mm -hmm. there's that action time where you're doing your research and you're doing your application practice. And you can come out of that a better investor, a better someone who has better financial knowledge and able to apply that in their lives rather than just reading a lot of stuff and knowing a lot of stuff. Book knowledge, if somebody came to you and said, I just learned this out of a book and I've never done it, you would not hire that person. You just wouldn't. We all recognize that book knowledge is not good enough, yet a lot of us stop there. Feels like we're taking action when we really are not. Exactly. And the thing is that quiet time actually is that bridge to you doing stuff. Because if I didn't Like I said, when I started my job, that was when the pandemic happened. So I graduated during the pandemic and there was nothing to do but study and work. So because I wasn't always going out with my friends, because I wasn't distracting myself, I really had a lot of time to sit there and ask myself, what do I want out of my life? What do I want out of my relationship? I'd like more time with my partner. I just, I was in his country. I was in Cape Verde. I was in Africa for about almost a month. And if I had a nine to five, I wouldn't be able to have taken that time off and be there. And so a lot of my friends are like, you're gone for a month. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm doing meetings from over there. I'm doing my client calls from over there. I'm doing those transactions from over there. I get to go to the beach too. And that's really fun. But the only reason I have that now, three years after I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur is because I actually sat there in silence and I didn't distract myself with content. And that silence gives you clarity. You can't take action if you don't have clarity. Put some time into your day to think about nothing That'll let your brain sort out what to prioritize and what you really want and what you don't want and make that connection like for your heart, for your soul. And it's not cheesy, it's real. And then you'll actually take those actions. And when you take those actions, you're not going to have all this clutter and chronic overthinking because you haven't been over consuming information and your brain doesn't have to filter through a bunch of garbage. So I just think it's also important because it really comes together. It's a whole path. And it's part of the wealthy person copying that I do. When you look at what wealthy people do, they meditate, they have vision boards, take the time to invest, to learn about investing, and then actually to invest their money. They may have high pressure, high active careers, but they will always take the time to learn about somewhere to put their money. Because if you have the ability to live below your means, you naturally start thinking, what am I going to do with this excess money? So before we talk about that great passive income bucket list adventure that you just went on. I want to come back to that. But can you share with us maybe two basic tips, two tips that you wish every client that you worked with knew this information? One big one. And this is for anyone who wants to learn about money. It doesn't matter if it's real estate or stocks or anything. Don't fall for hype. Okay. So what I mean is when you start in this world of investing, and I guess I also get annoyed by it because this isn't me doing it, but you'll see it on YouTube. 
there's all those advertisements of those really buff guys getting out of sports cars and with their huge husky voice be like, do you want to make money? And then just, it's so obnoxious. And that's what society thinks is the picture of wealth is, first of all, a man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then usually now we're getting just a bit more diverse, but still all that alpha male, like macho energy. People think that that's the only thing out there that has money. I swear to God. And it's a man and he has a sports car and he's wearing Gucci and gold and blah, blah, blah. And he's telling you on YouTube and and then they get you excited. It's the psychology behind it. So they get you excited and then you want to invest in whatever they're investing. And that's how everyone's like, people don't know the basics of finance and investing and yet they're saying i want to i'm gonna be a crypto millionaire and they don't have an emergency fund they don't have the money to pay next month's rent they like they don't even have a home that has tenants so they can at least live for free and then the basics are always provided for so then they can have play around with their money they don't have money to play around with but they're not going towards safety investments because they want to become a millionaire overnight because they fell for the hype so don't fall for the hype is like definitely number one of two of the biggest things that I would ever tell you. Don't fall for the hype. Making money, and this is in Rich Dad Poor Dad, making money doesn't have to be this crazy adrenaline roller coaster. It can be a very simple monotonous process that you just repeat over and over and over again. Think about Kobe Bryant, rest his soul. I love that guy. Think about Michael Jordan. I'm an athlete too. Think about all the boring days you just went to practice and you did the same thing again and again and again and again you just shot hoop after hoop after hoop that's how they became good was by doing the boring stuff so don't you know fall for the hype and not romanticize the boring stuff because the boring stuff is going to take you far that's one two have the discipline and know your why so especially my generation i am calling you out if you go out every weekend to the club and you're spending 500 dollars a weekend on food drinks clubbing this that you have the money to invest. So start now. I'm not telling you don't live your life. I've always lived my life. I was just overseas for almost a month, but I invest as much as I spend. Have that discipline and don't tell yourself, I need a million dollars to start investing. I started with a few hundred bucks a month. Start, just start, because you're never gonna learn if you don't start. I'll tell you, I've had a lot more fun, a lot more fun as a wealthy person than I ever did as a poor person trying to live like I was pretending to have fun. It is a completely different feeling when you're able to just go do things and you're not thinking about how you're going to pay your rent the next day. I can afford this trip to Cabo and I can also pay my rent because I have tenants and I have this or I have a business or whatever. It is so much more fun and relaxing at the same time when you have the foundation and business is taken care of. It's very different. I, those are great tips. Those are great tips. Know your why will help get you into the discipline. The discipline is the hard part. The yeah. motivation and knowing your why will help you to develop the discipline that you need to stay the path. And I know that a lot of investor mindsets tend to be introverted and we tend to really put a lot of value in delayed gratification. If those yeah. are two things that you struggle with as a listener, then it's those are the two biggest success predictors of a successful investor. You don't have to be an introvert, but that ability to be able to say, I don't have to be surrounded with people and distractions and conversations all the time, being able to find some peace on your own, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert and being able to delay gratification, that's where you don't go for the hype. And that's where you're able to just keep your mindset 
straight. And then you can go do fun passive income adventures like what you just got back from. Can you tell us more about that experience? Because that, like you said, you capture that. You would not have been able to do that if you had a nine to five and you were bound to a particular location. And that's the question I always ask. What is your next passive income adventure that you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't have the passive income lifestyle freedom? So I, instead, tell us about the one that you just went on and then maybe give us a little glimmer of your next driving why of why you chose this lifestyle. My husband just became a citizen. So he's an immigrant. He just became mm -hmm. a citizen. We wanted to celebrate. Yeah. Thank you. And so his parents were like, you guys have to come to Cape Verde and this and that. So we left on January 1st and we got there on January 7th and we, we got back on the 27th. And for five days of that entire trip, we also went to Senegal for a wedding. It's just an hour flight off the mainland. Cape Verde is, for anyone who doesn't know, a set of 10 islands off the coast of West Africa that has an incredible history that makes you laugh and cry. And it's just so beautiful. And the people are so beautiful. And every island is different, which is amazing. So it's kind of Hawaii is to America what Cape Verde is to Africa. I'm not trying to mix the cultures here. It's a set of islands and it's its own country. And I was there for 26 days and you wouldn't be able to do that if, you know, in America with two paid vacation weeks. And I came back and we didn't have to worry about rent or anything. The only thing that we worried about was who's going to take care of the dog and cat, which we figured out and I missed them. So I'm really, I was like super happy when I saw them, but it was beautiful. And during that time I got to be in another culture and meet my new family and it was awesome. And having all that quality time, like every single day we would just get together for breakfast and then middle of the day, everyone does their thing. And then nighttime, it's like dinner or for the wedding, it was like 24 seven, just always together and exploring. And it was so beautiful. And I saw a lot and it's always so healing to go and travel because it shows you other cultures, other perspectives. Sometimes it shows you problems that people have to deal with outside of the USA and it makes you realize how lucky you are to be here. And that's really grounding. And that's really important too, is to know how blessed you are. Yeah. A lot of the, it makes you realize what do I take for granted? And what did I do? I do too much of, and people, something that I learned is that people over there, even though some of them have real problems, they're such strong, happy, amazing people that just always find the will to keep going. And coming back here where people can get really upset over a first world problem such as road rage, I'm just like bringing that new clarity into my life and being like, I don't really need to be upset if I'm stuck in traffic. There's no real problem about it. It's okay. And I don't need to freak out and I don't need to get angry and stressed out over the tiniest things. Yeah. So it was really awesome. And I wouldn't be able to do it if I was stuck to a job. Yeah, developing that sense of stoicism of being able to let go of the things you can't control. There's one thing when you're upset because you're stuck in traffic because you're late because you left late because you didn't get ready to go on time and you didn't do the things yeah. that you needed to prepare to be on time. And now you're upset and frustrated and you're embarrassed. But if you did everything that you needed to do and now you're stuck in traffic because there was an accident or something, it happens. Everybody understands it. So being able to control what you can control with a high degree of discipline and motivation, and then letting everything else go. That's a perspective that you can gain when you are taking the time to work on your personal development. Prefer personal development is the precursor to professional development. And you definitely have shown yourself to 
really be walking down both of those paths in a way that most of us are too scared to do. So thank you so much for sharing your story. I find it very inspiring. Every time we talk, we learn something new about one another and have these amazing stories and these amazing experiences, which like I said, is a strange combination of exotic and wow, I've never heard or seen or done anything like that. At the same time, highly relatable because you're coming from a place that is similar to a place that a lot of us started out from. And it's just so fun to watch what you're doing with your business, your life, your career, and really building the passive income lifestyle of your dreams. So Yasmin, how can people get a hold of you after the show? Because we want people to reach out to you. So tell us how they can get a hold of you, but more importantly, why should they get a hold of you? All right, so I'll actually start with the why. You should reach out to me if you want to have any conversation about money and if you want a structured idea of what to do with your money, okay? Just in general. If you want to financially better yourself, if you're thinking about things from retirement to passive income to, I don't want to retire at 65, I want to create my own retirement, have a conversation with me. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest place to find me. If my name is down here, just spell the way it is. Just find me on LinkedIn with that exact spelling. And from there, I'm pretty responsive. I also have a website. That link is on my LinkedIn as well. So Yasmin, thank you so much for being with us today. I cannot wait to see what your next passive income adventure looks like. Please continue to stay in touch, share your story. And if you are a listener today, which I'm sure if you just heard me say that, you're a listener. So for our listeners today, be sure to reach out to Yasmin after the show. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. Wasn't that an amazing story? Even though she's the same age as my daughter, and in many ways, her story echoes the things that my daughter are going through, I found, even though I'm old enough to be her mother, her story to be incredibly relatable. We have to learn the same things, no matter how old we are, in order to develop the lifestyle of our dreams. Whether you're starting at a very young age like Yasmin, or you're starting a little maybe too old like I did, this is within your reach. And it can be very fast, life-changing in a relatively short period of time. I encourage you to spend some time alone and quiet, as we talked about in the episode, figuring out your why, what you want. And once you have that sorted out, the techniques and the strategies, the nuts and bolts, if you will, they will come to you as you continue to do more research and surround yourself with people who are working on the same dreams that you are. I would like to be in your network and encourage you to reach out to both Yasmin and me after the show. You can reach me at highrise.group slash contact, where you can set up a free consultation with me. You could sign up for my accountability challenges or check out the investments that we're currently offering. Thank you again for spending your time with us. I know how valuable it is, and I can't wait to see what you do for your passive income adventure.